Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, it's getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Donald Trump apparently made some kind of a promise to some foreign leader, and we'll get into the details of who that might be and what that might be. And in fact, you know, I mean, it's all pretty unknown right now, other than the fact that somebody in the intelligence community was apparently listening to the call or had a transcript of the call. Now, keep in mind, it may not even be that they were listening on our side. It used to be in all previous administrations, and I mean, this goes back to when they first started using telephones, and for that matter, telegraph before that, that when the president would communicate with a foreign leader, there would be somebody from the White House on the call who would be transcribing it, or they would be recording it, or both. And that person would create an archival record. You can find the records of many of these phone calls in the Nixon Library, in the Johnson Library. Sometimes they're sealed for 50 years. That's how it took us 50 years, literally, to find out that Richard Nixon committed treason in 1968, blowing up the peace deal that LBJ had worked out with the North and South Vietnamese. Richard Nixon intervened just before the election so that LBJ could not say, hey, we've accomplished peace, and therefore Hubert Humphrey would become president instead Nixon was. So it took us 50 years to find out. But usually there's somebody in the loop keeping track of this stuff, and a recording is being made. And in fact, now we can even hear the recording of LBJ telling Everett Dirksen, this is treason, what Richard Nixon is doing, back in 1968. But that was 50 years ago. So we don't know right now what happened, because A... Donald Trump took that person out of the loop. He said, I want to have conversations with foreign leaders, and I don't want there to be any recording of it, and I don't want anybody listening in. Now, occasionally in these conversations with foreign leaders, we do need an interpreter on our side. So there's two possibilities in terms of how this whistleblower got this information. Number one, the whistleblower might be the interpreter. Uh, Trump tried to get around that when he met with Putin in Helsinki, for example, and, and in several other meetings that he's had with foreign leaders, where he literally took the interpreter's notes and tore them up and had the interpreter sign a non-disclosure agreement with all kinds of draconian penalties. So up to this point, interpreters have not been willing to come forward and say, here, I'll tell you what the president said. So it could be an interpreter, 
Or it could be, and I think this is probably more likely, somebody over at the CIA or NSA or whatever, you know, within the intelligence community, who was listening in not to the White House, but listening into the person on the other side of the phone call. In other words, if Trump was talking to Putin, they were wiretapping Putin. If he was talking to, well, actually, we've got a list of the people that he was talking to in those days just exactly prior to that, the frightening phone call scenarios. It was Vladimir Putin. Now, he had correspondence with Kim Jong-un during this period of time, but it wasn't on the telephone, and this appears to be a telephone call. He had correspondence during that time with the Prime Minister of Pakistan, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, and the Emir of Qatar. Now, the Emir of Qatar had just participated in a bailout for Jared Kushner to the tune of over a billion dollars. So maybe it had to do with that, or maybe it had to do with Putin, or maybe it was somebody else altogether. I mean, we don't know all, everything that he does because this is the, probably the least transparent White House in modern history. I just want to open the show today to speculation about this. I think this is a huge story that needs to get a lot more legs and a lot more discussion. And the other thing that we learned is that Michael Atkinson, a Trump appointee who is the inspector general for the intelligence community, and the inspector general is like, you know, you watch cop shows, you know, and they talk about internal affairs. They're coming in to find out if uh, you did wrong when you arrested so-and-so and beat the bejesus out of them. Well, that's the equivalent of internal affairs for a police department is the inspector general within a federal agency. You know, this guy, Michael Atkinson, he's like the cop who oversees the intelligence community. And there is this whistleblower law that was passed back in the day I think these were passed back in the 60s or 70s, maybe in the mid-70s in response to the Nixon scandals. That's something to look up, and I'll fill you in later when I figure that out. But in any case, we've got this whistleblower law that says that if a person in the federal government knows about a crime being committed by another federal officer, they can report that crime to the inspector general for their department without without punishment, without retribution. And in fact, once they become a whistleblower, they have some very specific protections. So that person still has their job. I guarantee you Donald Trump would fire them if, if it wasn't for that law. And maybe even discover that, you know, hey, 15 years ago they were uh, smoking dope in their bedroom or something and we're going to throw them in jail. There's nothing that I think is beyond the possibility when it comes to this guy in this administration. So anyhow, Michael Atkinson was uh, dragged before Congress today. There was a, this is the House Intelligence Committee, and he refused, absolutely refused, to say what it was, or even who it was, that the whistleblower was talking about. So we just don't know. The director of national intelligence. Now, the law says that when a whistleblower reports within an agency, and I'm, this law, it, it may be unique to the intelligence agency or it may be broadly more general, but with regard to the intelligence agencies, when a whistleblower makes a report to the inspector general in the intelligence agencies, in other words, if somebody sends a letter to Michael Atkinson or an email saying, hey, I know about a crime that's being committed by a federal official. The inspector general has to look into it. They have to seriously evaluate that claim. 
And they have to determine whether it is urgent and whether it's legitimate, whether it's uh, you know, a solid thing, right? And then they're required to send it to the Director of National Intelligence, who has seven days to give it to Congress. The Director of National Intelligence is also a Trump appointee. He's actually the acting director. Trump doesn't believe in directors because they have to be vetted by the Senate, and he doesn't like that. So he's got all these acting directors, people who are loyal to him, but have, have never even talked to the Senate. And that acting director of national intelligence, his name is Joseph McGuire, has said to Congress, I, I'm not giving you anything. And it sounds like now he is saying, well, you know, this isn't really that big a deal. There's no droids in this car. Just keep moving along. Now, former Department of Homeland Security official Juliet Kayum, she said that there's basically three kinds of scenarios that legally these three buckets into which a whistleblower could place such a complaint. And such a complaint would have to be taken seriously by the inspector general and by the director of national intelligence. The first is that Trump did something to make himself richer in his capacity as president. That's a clear violation of the emoluments clause. It's against the law. The second is that he told some other country that they could have control over an intelligence operation that we're running or gave details of it in a way that would affect the direction or control of, of an intelligence operation. And the third is that he disclosed methods and sources for covert action. And again, it looks like it was either Russian President Vladimir Putin, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, the Prime Minister of Pakistan, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, or the Emir of Qatar. Former FBI agent Rasha Rangapa was also on CNN this morning and said that the president has, quote, a fiduciary obligation to act in the best interests of the United States. In other words, he can't abuse his powers for personal gain. That was the first of those three things. And that the inspector general has to look at the complaint and determine that it's credible, that it's urgent, that it is, quote, this is from the law, a serious or flagrant problem, abuse, violation of law or executive order or deficiency relating to an intelligence activity involving classified information. But this goes beyond just what kind of treason did Trump commit. James Madison took notes during the Constitutional Convention in the summer of 1787 in Philadelphia when they were hammering out the Constitution. And they got to the clause in the Constitution that they were writing about impeachment. And Governor Morris, and that was his first name actually, is was governor. He wasn't a governor. He was, I believe, a senator or representative from Massachusetts. I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and check my notes. But in any case, Governor Morris, who was like a good friend of a lot of the founders, he was a friend of Madison's, he was a good, close friend of Jefferson's. This is what he said in the convention, talking about impeachment. When he says our executive, he's talking about the president, right? And when he talks about a magistrate, he's talking about a king. So our executive was not like a magistrate having a life interest, much less like one having an hereditary interest in his office. He may be bribed by a greater interest to betray his trust. And no one would say that we ought to expose ourselves to the danger of seeing the first magistrate president in foreign pay without being able to guard against it by displacing him. In other words, 
we have a president, he's not part of a royal family, he could be bribed by an external force, and if that happens, we have to have a way of removing him from office, displacing him. And then he goes on to say, Charles II was bribed by Louis XIV, which, of course, is a historic fact. And then he says, the executive, the president, ought therefore to be impeachable for treachery. He should be punished not as a man. See, he wasn't talking about charging the president with a crime. He says he should be punished not as a man, but as an officer. In other words, as the president, as a federal officer. And punished only by degradation of his office. In other words, being removed from office. So, bottom line, as David Frum notes in The Atlantic today, foreign corruption-inducing treason was the core impeachable offense in the eyes of the authors of the Constitution. And then uh, I got an email from Ron Wyden a day or two ago. It opens with a quote from Donald Trump. Quote, my whole life I've been greedy, greedy, greedy. I grabbed all the money I could get. I'm so greedy. Yeah, Trump actually said that. January 28th, 2016. We'll be back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. So if Trump was bribed or blackmailed or has simply decided to throw in with some foreign government, who do you think it is and what do you think he did? Tony in Tiffin, Ohio. Hey, Tony, what's up? What I think happened, I don't know if it happened or not. I thought about this about a month ago. I think he told Kim from North Korea that his brother, his half-brother... The one he murdered? Was yeah, the one he murdered was working with the CIA, so uh, Kim took him out. I think that's what happened. That well, that was several what, years ago. Well, he... I don't recall exactly when Kim killed his brother. It seems like that was during the Obama administration, although I may be wrong, but I, but I thought that happened, like, you know, in the, in the last couple of years of the Obama administration. It, it seemed to jive... Kim was one of the people that Trump talked with. You know, he, he may not have talked with him on the phone. We know that they, they, there was correspondence during that period of time. So, you know, it's, it's entirely possible. Thanks for the call. Zach in North Hollywood. Hey, Zach, your thoughts? When he was talking to MBS, he was talking about, look, I know they're going to come after me and impeach me in America. Mm -hmm. Give me a spot. Let me buy some land in Dubai or give me a piece of land in Dubai where I can build a tower where my family can live and Stephen Miller and all the rest of them. So and you think Donald Trump is building his ark? Basically. Oh, by the way, uh, Sean just told me that, uh, you know, apropos of our last caller, that uh, Kim murdered his brother in 2017. So that was while Trump was president. But anyhow, back to you, Zach. So you're, you're, you're thinking that Trump is, is uh, creating a hidey hole here. Well, he knows he's on the way out. They're trying to crash the world economy so they can buy land cheaper, all these real estate people, right? Because, you know, the down economies are only felt in the pockets of the poor. These guys well, Trump made this comment, uh, you know, a so decade or so ago. Land cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Trump made a comment, you know, a decade or so ago. It's been quoted relatively frequently that he loves recessions and depressions because they're buying opportunities for people like him. Exactly right. And MBS, these guys are wielding so much power. We can wave our hands, make all kinds of intelligent sense about everything, but we need to see the handcuffs, the gleam of the cuffs. <laughs> okay. Got thanks, it. Uh, Zach, thanks a lot for the call. It's, uh, yeah. 
So what kind of treason might Donald Trump have committed that would provoke a whistleblower to freak out and would be so serious that his appointee, the director of national intelligence, would refuse to share it with Congress? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And not just that, now his appointee, the, the inspector general for the intelligence community, is also refusing to share it with Congress. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided, decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. Louise convinced me there was one product that was worth sharing, and a year later, I'd have to say she's right. She says that once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was a whole lot easier, and she's keeping it off. And now my producer, Sean, is trying Ridgezone, too. Sean says she really is liking Ridgezone. Not hungry between meals, feels full longer, and she thinks she finally has her sweet tooth under control. Uh, she's no longer battling sugar cravings, although Louise has to stop bringing goodies into the studio in the morning like she did today. Anyhow, listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgezone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgezone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Ridgezone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgezone.com. Let's see here. Uh, you know, there seems to be a, a, a theme among people calling in. It's either Putin, Netanyahu, or Mohammed Bonesaw. Paul in Glenside, Pennsylvania, your thoughts? Hi, Tom. Uh, I think he's probably on the phone with Putin, most likely because they're a petro state. Their, their money, their power derives from all the oil and natural gas they have. Right. And I think what, uh, what's going on isn't some deep critical national security secret that he might have been revealing to someone in a treasonous manner. I think that he fell into the presidency by accident, as we all know, but now that he's there, the entire White House has turned into an instrument of high finance and business dealing, and a little more. Right. That's why Rex Tillerson, the chairman of Exxon, was the secretary of state to further oil deals around the world. It's a globalized economy, and we have a global businessman in Donald Trump who's making deals. The, the nation state hardly even factors into what's going on. What factors in is what kind of a deal can I strike, and who's the head of these countries? Yeah. Putin's a businessman. Netanyahu is a businessman. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't see a lot of nation crafting or nation building going on. I see a lot of deal making. And it's the apex of capitalism, worse than the age of the robber barons. Yeah, amen. And this is exactly what Mussolini was talking about. By the way, the CNN is reporting that uh, the reason why the inspector general was unable to or unwilling to convey to this uh, congressional committee this morning the information about what the whistleblower was saying was because Bill Barr had weighed in. The Justice Department had essentially said no. Keep an eye on that one. Michael in Lomita, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Michael, what do you think? What struck me is that the timing on this seems to remind one of the American drone that was shot down by the Iranians dispute over whether it was in international space or Iranian space. Now, this claim was made on the 12th of August. What date did that happen? I don't know, but it was somewhere in the timeline between the 12th and 
now if it wasn't right so so that would put uh, the emir of Qatar or president putin at the top of the list right well you're assuming that the list of names you have is complete, accurate and yeah. complete yeah, i right. i don't believe that so who uh, or what do you think it could be uh, someone that's dumb enough to believe a trump promise and there are a few persons in the world dumb enough to do that and one of them is mohammed bin salman so what so that, might the promise have been something involving military action uh, Pompeo says this is an act of war. Trump says we're locked and loaded. It sounds like prep for something which he's paying lip service to, but might not deliver. So Trump says to uh, Mr. Bonesaw, if you guys are attacked by Iran, we will take that seriously. And I, I promise you, we will go to, a, to war with Iran along with you on your behalf. And then uh, Mr. Bonesaw fakes an attack on himself. I mean, I, one of the things I thought was interesting, looking at the map that was published in the Washington Post, the satellite map of where these missiles struck at this oil facility, is that everything they hit was a storage tank. They hit a bunch of storage, you know, and we don't even know if they were full storage tanks. I would think if you were trying to take out the capacity of a oil processing refining facility, you would take out the, the delicate equipment. You take out the cracking tubes, you know, the, the place where they do the, the distilling, essentially, of the, of the products, of the various petroleum products. But those, you know, sophisticated, hard to replace, expensive to remake, those were all largely untouched, at least from what I saw looking at the map. It looked to me like it was just basically storage tanks. Remember, the uh, Saudis said the next day that they were back to complete capacity on refining. Well, yeah. Well, they said they would be within a week. So if you're going to attack yourself, you want to do it in a way that, you know, doesn't... You know, this is, this is pretty wild speculation, Mike. Yeah, so everything out of this administration is pretty wild. You're right. You're right. They just, uh, I mean, Trump acts like a dictator. He promises things which only a dictator can do, and then he gets his hand slapped. And a few months later, we, you know, vaguely remember the whole incident having occurred. Right. Like air regulations in California. 49 years, that's been law. And now he says he's just going to revoke it. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and it's actually uh, uh, right, and the and the and the right of California to do this is actually written into the Clean Air Act. I mean, it, was, it is. It's it's like you know, Mark Sumner did a great piece about that over at uh, Daily Kos a couple of days ago. That is brilliant. Anyhow, Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate sure. it. Uh, hmm, interesting. Eric in Erie, Pennsylvania. Eric, your thoughts on uh, what might be going on here? It's hard to imagine upon a little bit of thinking that it's anyone other than the Saudis and or the Russians. And by Russians, I mean parentheses, Putin and the oligarchs. These are two places that are able to be the highest bidder. And we know that Trump is a guy who will always go like a moth to a flame to wherever the place of the most personal money for him immediately can be had and you know there may be some other nations that might have interests but they don't have the kind of excessive and completely secretive money that places like the Saudis and the Russians do the Saudis being a kingdom and being an extremely wealthy nation with no kind of public understanding by their own population or the UN or anyone else how much actual cash is around 
And with guys like MBS, we've all seen what he's willing to do when motivated with a thing like Khashoggi. I think they could make an offer to Trump that he couldn't refuse, and that would be in line with his complete gangster mentality of running a government the way he ran a company in a TV show. It's got to be the Saudis. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the Saudis, they bought the entire 45th floor of Trump Tower back in 2001 when Donald Trump yep. was in need of a little help. And he's got an older, he's got a longer history that goes back with the Saudi kingdom. But the way he's been so cozy with them, think about that first kind of iconic image of Trump as president standing over that weird glowing globe thing. Right. Um, and this is his first overseas right, trip. Right. to the That's what I was just saying. He rushed to the kingdom as soon as he had the White House. The first trip he booked was to them. Right. So it's got to be them. I mean, the money, Tom, they print their own money, and they have so many interests. And the funny thing, the pressure should really come at Trump from the Jewish population that is in support of Israel standing as a bullseye in the desert surrounded by everyone who wants to kill them all the time. So, so what does that have to do with Saudi Arabia? Saudi has been trying to work out, work out an alliance with Netanyahu, essentially. Yeah, and that's, I, I think that's because Saudi wants to be the least worst Arab kid in the neighborhood um, mm. because they're, you know, at least, more at least with regard to Israel. Right. They want to appear on the world stage as not being as just bloodthirsty anti-Israel as, you know, Iran and all of the other kind of terrorism supporting states. The Saudis have always been able to walk a line because... Think about people who own businesses who have to kind of squelch down their personal politics because they want to sell to everybody, like Michael Jordan was. All the criticism he took for not standing up on issues of racial injustice, he was a brand and he didn't want to piss anybody off. Uh, Eric, thank you. You know, you may be onto something. With Trump, if you follow the motto, follow the money, you're probably not going to go wrong very often. Lane in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, uh, Lane, what's up? Well, we know the CIA had reason to believe that the agent they pulled out of the uh, Kremlin would be exposed by Trump. And we know that Putin has killed Russian dissidents and former KGB agents like in England, and I think he attempted one in Germany. Mm -hmm. I think Trump says, even though your agent got out, I'll promise you when I find out where he resettles, I'll let you know where he's at. He's given up intelligence in the Oval Office to Kislyak about the Israelis. (laughs) He had that uh, one-hour meeting at Helsinki. I think he tore up the... uh, the transcripts. Notes, yeah. yeah, so I think Putin is just incensed that, that 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 agent was so close to him, and he wants to put out the the reason that if any of his former Russians, if you get away from our country, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to I'm going to go after you. So well, Trump did said, oh, authorize oh. Bill Barr to see any intelligence. Bill Barr, the director of the Department of Justice which does not have overview on the intelligence agencies. That's the Department of Homeland Security. Although Bill Barr apparently is the one who put the kibosh on the IG, the Inspector General for the intelligence agencies, telling Congress exactly what is in this whistleblower complaint. Bill Barr, the cover-up artist in 1992, who helped Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush avoid 
going to prison, frankly, for treason with Iran-Contra, and who recommended to George Bush, the elder that uh, who took his advice, that he pardon Elliot Abrams and Ollie North, a bunch of other guys, in order to uh, to stop that investigation. So, you know, boy, anything's possible, Lane. Lane, thank you very much for the call. I, I appreciate it. Joe in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Hey, Joe, who do you think it is? Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. I think it's Putin. I think it all ties together with Ukraine. First, he tried to get Ukraine to make up a story about Biden, and that failed. Well, he's got Rudy Giuliani over there just in the last week or three, I guess, trying to work that out. Exactly. But then I think Putin didn't want the money that's going to their defense and to all the different bases over there to push back. Well, Trump has held that money up. There's a couple hundred million dollars that was supposed to go to Ukraine to provide for some sort of a defense system for them. And Trump has been sitting on that for, what, six, eight months, something like that. But now he's saying that he needs that money to go to the wall. It's not going to Ukraine, in other words. Right. Yeah, that, that, right. that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it'd be very interesting. Joe, thank you. Deb in Saginaw, Michigan, your thoughts? Right around that time, didn't we discover that Israel was spying on us? My feelings were, was like, maybe he talked to Netanyahu, and because of this surveillance, maybe he revealed Oh, the stingray units that were, that were positioned around the White House in Washington, D.C., that I've been complaining about for years. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Deb, I got to run, but thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your opinion. CBD is in the headlines all the time. Why? Because it seems to have significant health benefits. Na- New Leaf Natural CBD oil is the is one of the best out there. It's non-intoxicating. CBD oil generally is non-intoxicating, which makes it ideal for people looking for the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic, has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. It's nuleafnaturals.com and save 30% off and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place newleafnaturals.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. On Wednesday of next week, if you're in the Portland area, I will be at the Beaverton Powell's Bookstore on Cedar Hills Boulevard in Beaverton, suburban Portland, with Naomi Klein. She's going to be discussing her new book, On Fire, The Burning Case for Green New Deal. We're going to have an extended conversation on stage and, you know, for people who show up, it's free. These are all free events, in fact. And in Chicago on the 3rd of October at 6 p.m. at Smart 265 in Carroll Stream, I will be doing a book signing on my book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America. More information at WCPT820.com. And October 10th, I'll be doing a book signing at Powell City of Books in downtown Portland at 7.30 on my book on the Supreme Court. So just a heads up on that. We've been talking about did Trump commit treason and if so, with whom and why? Bill Barr now appears to be the guy who stopped 
the inspector general of the intelligence agencies from revealing to the members of Congress this morning who is the whistleblower and what it is they're complaining about that Trump did, which is bizarre because Bill Barr runs the Justice Department, you know, the FBI and whatnot. He does not run the Department of Homeland Security, which has, you know, purview over our intelligence agencies. So here he is running a completely different agency, threatening people in the intelligence service. Don't tell on Trump. Something's weird going on here. Something's very weird going on here. Meanwhile, across the pond, over on the other side of the Atlantic, uh, the UK is going through all kinds of contortions as Boris Johnson is trying to move the, the government toward a hard Brexit and the parliament is trying to say, no, no, you can't do that. We want to have a little more reasonable transition and et cetera. And, and uh, now it looks like it might be going to the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom. And I thought this was an absolute fascinating one. In fact, Sue, Sue Nethercutt, who, who does our newsletter every day, sent me a note. These hearings on the Supreme Court here in the UK about prorogation could change the balance of power between Parliament, the courts, and the Prime Minister. Fascinating stuff. So I wanted to get our old buddy Victoria Jones on. She's the chief Washington analyst with the DC radio company. Her Twitter handle is Victoria Jones DC. Uh, to share her thoughts on this with us, or her, you know, what what she knows about it. Victoria, welcome back. What's going on in in the country that you know where you were born? I, I realize you're a U.S. citizen now, but what's what's going on in the U.K. with this? Yes, blood. Well, for the last three days before the Supreme Court, which has uh, eleven justices sitting at any time, they have been hearing arguments from very eminent QCs, that's Queen Councils, as you know, many of whom are themselves lords though, um, uh, and, and sit in the House of Lords. So these are the most eminent barristers in the land um, about this question of prorogation. So the, they only take, as our Supreme Court does, the most complex cases come before them. This case has gone to two courts. It went to the High Court in England and Wales, where they they threw it out and saying it was a political matter. And the Scottish High Court said the prorogation actually um, shouldn't have happened. Let's define so prorogation was, to, be, to begin with uh, for, for Americans who don't know what that word means. Yeah. Suspending Parliament. Boris Johnson, the new prime minister, the conservative prime minister who just came in the, with the uh, crazy yellow hair that crazier than mine, um, but his isn't <laughs> done by a stylist. Mm. Apparently it's done by gardening shears. Um, he uh, suspended Parliament at a very crucial time just before the Brexit line, October the 31st, which many uh, members of Parliament of both parties believe was done to stop members of Parliament from getting a chance to debate it. Right. Because he wants to have his own way and have a hard Brexit if he can't get the deal that he wants. Now, isn't this pretty so, much the first time that a prime minister has ever dissolved Parliament and Parliament has said, no, wait a minute? Um, yes, like this, it, it, it is. It is. So, so the is, so the battle here, the question that that is that the Supreme Court is going to be deciding is: Does Parliament have the right to say, "Oh no, you don't," or does the Prime Minister have mm -hmm. the right to say, "Yeah, sorry, buddies, uh, you know, you're going to have to take it and like it." Well, that's one of the questions. The other question is whether it is even a question for the court. That's one of the other. So questions. So that's a question of standing, essentially, or you know. Yes. Okay. Standing. 
which is what the government's lawyer, uh, barrister, is arguing it isn't. Um, and so there's more than one plaintiff. There's Sir John Major, former prime minister, who has uh, got a case against Boris Johnson, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's Gina Miller, the campaigner, a Brexit campaigner, who's won previously, by the way, in the Supreme Court. Um, and there's a group of 75 members of parliament led by Joanna Cherry, a Scottish member of parliament. Uh, at least those three plaintiffs. It's got very eminent lawyers. There's been three fascinating days of arguments. Lady Hale, who uh, is the chief, the president of the court, she there will be a decision early next week. Now, closing arguments by Aidan O'Neill, who represents the 75 MPs, pretty much summed up some of it uh, uh, very, very eloquently. I mean, these are obviously some of the most eloquent men and women, these barristers in the world. Um, And I'll just quote a couple of things that he said, but some of it was just very, very blunt speaking. And uh, this is of interest to you. He said, particularly in case you just were saying at the beginning of the hour, I say this to the court, don't let this case be your Dred Scott moment. Hmm. Instead, stand up for the truth, stand up for reason, stand up for unity and diversity, stand up for parliament, stand up for democracy by dismissing this government's appeal and uphold a constitution governed by laws and not by the passing whims of men. We've got here the mother of parliaments being shut down by the father of lies. Wow. Now, Victoria, the reason why I think that this is so important, or one reason why I think it's so important, outside of not being a citizen of the United Kingdom, I have no proverbial dog in this fight, but uh, a terrible metaphor, but I lack another one. But in any case, I understand. Yeah. In the Philippines, we saw Duterte rise to power and then diminish the power of parliament. In in Turkey, we saw Erdogan uh, basically dissolve parliament. We saw El Sisi do the same thing in Egypt. We, we saw Viktor Orban do this in Hungary. We saw Mr. Duda in Poland, you know, suppressing the Polish parliament. We see Donald Trump. Uh, well, we see uh, Jair Bolsonaro doing this in Brazil. We see Donald Trump right now trying to do it with the United States Congress, you know, saying just this morning, his guy, Bill Barr, who has nothing to do with the intelligence agencies, saying that the intelligence agencies can't tell Congress what they know about what might be treason committed by Donald Trump. So we're seeing this all over the world where these kind of authoritarian right wing, they call themselves conservatives, come to power and then try to devastate the impact or the power or the authority of the branch of government, which is actually closest to the people because it's regularly elected by the people, being parliament in the UK, being Congress in the United United States being variations on both and these other countries that I mentioned. Is this power battle being perceived in the UK in those kinds of terms? There is a fundamental distrust by many of Boris Johnson that he's not honest, that he's not an honest broker. Victoria, thank you so much for the insights and the perspective. I think this is a story that Americans should be following and paying attention to. Victoria Jones, the uh, chief analyst with the DC Radio Company. Uh, Victoria Jones, DC is her Twitter handle. Thank you so much for being with us, Victoria. So would you like to watch the Tom Hartman program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. And you become a supporter of the program through Patreon. You have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want. 
and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. And Congressman Pocan, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here today. I understand you were in a hearing where you learned some pretty shocking stuff about what's going on with the private prison companies and these children that Trump is taking away from their parents at the border. Yeah, so we're having a hearing in the Labor, Health, and Human Services Subcommittee of Appropriations about mental health of the children that have been held in these facilities like Homestead, a private facility that held up to 2,600 kids and currently is sitting empty. And talk to Jonathan Hayes, who's the director of the Office of Refugee Settlement. Not only did he admit that the president's separation policies are creating a problem for him to provide adequate mental health care for the children that they desperately need after being separated from their parents. But also, we found out that we're still paying for 1,200 beds a day at this facility that's completely empty at a rate of $600 a day. So that's about $23 million a month to pay for imaginary people. And I understand that you could have fluctuation changes in populations there, but that's only because of Donald Trump's policies, not for any other reason. So we are literally wasting $23 million a month because the president is still using this as a punitive measure towards people trying to come to the United States. I don't get how these, uh, I realize this is the for-profit private prison company that John Kelly, one of the architects of this policy, is on the board of. What I don't get is how they can charge $600 a day per child when they're cramming a bunch of kids in a cage, basically, and try not even to give them a mat to sleep on a blanket or a toothbrush. Well, it was 750 a day when you actually had kids, but right. more amazingly, you're only reducing the cost 20% for not having any kids, and you're just paying for imaginary people, but 1200 worth deal. a day. Yeah, it's a sweet deal. And by the way, that company is going public, and one of their talking points is the fact of immigration policy and why they're doing so well. Wow, amazing. Meanwhile, we've got the impeachment hearing. Corey Lewandowski was up. Hey, I'm curious your thoughts on that. And then we've got a whole bunch of people on the board ready to talk to you. Sure. But I'm also wondering if you think that Nancy Pelosi's unwillingness to explicitly say we are conducting an impeachment hearing, you know, the Trump administration is saying because she hasn't said that it's not real and therefore we're going to fight everything even in court. Where are the Democrats at on this? Yeah, I'll tell you, the New York Times had a great editorial, Tom. I don't know if you saw it on the lack of ability to have a coherent I read it. explanation of what I word we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I completely concur. It's difficult because we're not getting a great direction. I do know that a majority of members have said they support an impeachment investigation inquiry, whatever that term is. We're using investigation. We actually had a conversation about it because that's what they're doing and that's what they're going to court for. But <laughs> jerkness, right? I mean, that's yeah. all Corey Lewandowski did. I agree with David Cicilline. He should be held in contempt for not even trying to answer questions, but it certainly doesn't help that Democrats don't have as coherent a message as we should at this point. 
Yeah, and they probably should have started out by putting the lawyer on, because by the time the, yeah. the the committee's lawyer asked him, I mean, the lawyer nailed him, you know, the, that he was yeah. a liar, yeah. that he had committed perjury, that he had lied either to the FBI or to Congress, that he had committed obstruction of justice on behalf of the president at the president's explicit, at Trump's explicit request. All that stuff got laid out when the lawyer went after him. And they need to front load those things, because by that point, CNN, MSNBC, even C-SPAN had moved it from C-SPAN 1 to C-SPAN 3. Nobody was watching. I hope we all learn from how that hearing went and how the administration is going to treat Congress still. Yeah, I'm with you. So let's pick up some phone calls here. Sure. Will in Salem, Oregon. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom and Representative Pocan. I have a very simple, clear-cut question. Representative Pocan, would you please consider introducing legislation to get the ball rolling to repeal that horrendous, horrible 2005 bankruptcy bill that outlawed discharging private student loan debts? have some mercy on us where we're dying out here in this country with this debt. It's really destroying us. Yeah, well, I don't know if there is a current bill introduced or not, because generally that would come from, preferably, someone from the Committee of Jurisdiction, Financial Services, which has some really strong members like Katie Porter, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib. So I will check to see if there is. I know we've had a bill out, the very first bill ever in the nation back in 2013, about refinancing student debt. There's a number of other bills now on cancellation of student debt. But I will take a look to see if anything's been introduced, Will, and I hear what you're saying. Howard of Batavia, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning. Representative Pocan, a little off from your usual subject, I see that you are a member of a group called the Free Thought Caucus, and I was wondering if mm-hmm. you could give us some more information about that. Sure. Actually, it's a new caucus this session, a group of members, and there's probably a lot more people that aren't members who agree with us that, you know, there's a separation between church and state, and that we need to have uh, more policies that address that. Last session, I believe it was, I had asked to have someone from the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which is based in my district, to be able to provide one of the prayers before Congress, and we were turned down and had to go through a lawsuit around that. So there's a lot of difficulty in keeping a separation between church and state, and our caucus is focused on trying to achieve more of those goals. That is really cool. Jeff in San Francisco, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, I just wanted to inquire about you with the Green New Deal. If this can be financed like we did with FDR in the New Deal, you know, with like public financing... Because California has AB 857 on Gavin Newsom's desk right now for a public bank. Would we be financing the Green New Deal in a similar way? If you could expand on that. Or would it go through the New York banks? Honestly, Will, it is more of a skeleton than a fully formed bill. The bill doesn't actually explicitly do things. It's in the form of a resolution. And that's part of what we have to do as Congress is decide uh, what is going to be accomplished, what appropriations we're going to put there, which is obviously going to cost some dollars and where that revenue is going to come from. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bloomberg reports there's an increasing number of people concerned about their wealth due to the fear we may be entering a larger economic crisis than 2008. If you've been paying attention, you know the Dow recently had its sixth largest point loss in history, and the stock market continues to show extreme volatility. Meanwhile, central bank gold purchases have risen to a six-decade high, sending gold prices higher. CNBC and the World Gold Council reports Russia and China are swapping out U.S. dollars from their own portfolios, investing in safer, more liquid assets like gold. And what makes things even more suspicious, 
The U.S. Federal Reserve reportedly holds the most gold of all central banks. What's everyone getting ready for? If you share the gut feeling that something is soon to go south with the global economy, call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Proper gold and silver strategy will help secure your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one own gold Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's one 888 Steve in Minnesota. Good afternoon, Tom, Congressman Polkan. I got a question in regards to the congressional hearing where there were two no-shows and Corey Lewandowski, with no legal basis, was refusing to answer questions. I'm wondering, is the option of the sergeant-at-arms bearing handcuffs no longer available? That's inherent contempt, right, Congressman? Yeah, and there are a number of options they still do have, including contempt. They have a jail in the basement of the U.S. Capitol for someone not showing up. They have a lot of extra tools to still do. The best thing we can do, though, is by starting the impeachment investigation, get the legal tools to force people to come that aren't coming. And I think that's what the committee is focusing on right now. But we do have additional measures we can do. Corky in Rochester, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman. Well, it's time for us to go all in. That hearing was a disgrace. He should be hauled off to jail for contempt of Congress. If I'd done that, they would have put me in the pokey right away. I thought nobody was above the law. Yeah, Corey, I hear you. I agree with David Cicilline, who said during the hearing that Corey Lewandowski should be held in contempt. And, you know, he wants to run for office. So he was doing this as a way to show a Republican primary voter his absolute loyalty to the president. And I guess he accomplished that. But at the end of the day, unless we hold people accountable who come or force them to come, which is what we're trying to do through the impeachment investigation, this is something I hope the public's waking up to. You're not innocent if you don't want people to come and testify. If you are innocent, I would argue Donald Trump should be picking them up in his SUV, giving them a ride to testify, give them a big bottle of water as they hop out of the car so they have a really clear voice so they can say how innocent the president is. Instead, they're not doing that, or you get someone like Corey Lewandowski that decides to spit on the Constitution when he comes in. So, yeah, it was a disgrace, and I think they should hold people more accountable. Could you speak to messaging around this? Sure. It seems to me like words like cover-up and hiding should be coming out of the mouths of Democrats at least once an hour, all day, every day. I agree. I mean, we need to be far more aggressive on this. It is clear, whether it be the Mueller report and the 10 specific obstruction charges they raise, or things like emoluments clause and other issues, let's call it for what they are, which is crimes. And I think us dancing around trying to worry about semantics, which I think we've been doing way too much around the impeachment investigation, is not serving us well. And actually, it's making us look rather disorganized. Yeah. Wayne in Las Vegas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Mark and Tom. I thank you both for what you do. My question regards messaging also. I think it's happening right now that the It's the White House versus the Democrats in the House. And instead, what can you do to get a voice in Nancy Pelosi's ear that she needs to stress? It's the White House that's obstructing information from the people, the people's house. Yeah, I agree with you, Wayne. And, you know, whether it be 
The prescription drug bill that we're going to introduce, it's about the consumer, the average person, whether or not their drugs are going to be covered as we try to negotiate for lower prices, whether it be the fight we're having right now on behalf of the country and the American people about whether or not a president broke the law and if he's trying to make other people continue to do such. It has to always be about the average voter, right, the average person. And if we don't do that, we do it at our own perils. I agree. I think more people have to quit thinking about inside the beltway issues and start thinking about what a person here is in Wisconsin, or for that matter, Las Vegas, Wayne, and how it relates to their life. And if we're not doing that, we're not accomplishing what we need to. Sally in Redondo Beach, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Donald Trump just came out to California and told us that we needed more smog. And I wondered exactly what's going on as far as states' rights go. Can he actually make California raise their levels of pollution from automobiles? I would say don't ever try to judge him on a scale of consistency because he can tweet something at one point in the day and later in the day do 180 degree different and tell you that you know you're lying. It's fake news about his first tweet, even though it's still hanging out there. I, no one could really predict Donald Trump. I don't know if he'll have the singular power to do what he's claiming. Well, the EPA has already said that they're going to do this. Well, and I think there's going to be some legal challenges along the way yeah. that won't allow it to fully take place. Yeah, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Right. And big part of what we got to do along the way is if we change a president next November, then that issue will become moot. So I think a lot of this, you have to look at the long game. In the meantime, we do have the courts protecting us. But boy, Donald Trump, these days, he's just trying to triple, quadruple down with his base. And this is part of what he's doing and talking about California. Yeah. Alan in Phoenix, Arizona, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, this is Alan. Let me make this quick. How are you doing, Congressman Polkan? I heard your comment on the separation between church and state. But every time the abortion talk comes up, religion comes into play. And why do we always cater to the evangelical right? If there's separation between church and state, that shouldn't even be an issue. And how did polls ever become a factor in if individual should be brought up on charges or not? If the individual commit a crime... The polls shouldn't play a role in this. But I got love for you, and that's my man, Dr. Hartman. I'll let you go. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank Keep you, doing Alan. what you're doing. Thank you, Alan. And I agree with you. I mean, part of the problem is the politics around here has people often talk religion, even though they practice something very different than what they preach. But in our case, we're trying to follow, again, the Constitution and the laws of the, the country, and that means you have a separation of church and state. And I think if you do that, we would be all better off. Secondly, I agree with you, we shouldn't be looking at polls, especially on things like impeachment. I took an oath to the Constitution, not to the Democratic Party, not to any leader in my party. And if you don't do something about it, we have set a terrible standard for future presidents. James in St. Petersburg, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks, Tom. Congressman Pocan. I'm just curious, after that display by Lewandowski, which made me sick to my stomach, have the Democrats forgotten about what they have done to Susan McDougal during the Clinton situation? Yeah, she went to prison for refusing to testify, as I recall. Exactly. And she did nothing more than she wouldn't talk. Right. Right. And again, the thing I've tried to explain what they're doing is right now, some people won't even come, period. They're using the legal process to try to compel them. They've got additional measures to try to get people to come in. I'm not on judiciary, so I can't speak to the full process other than we've been told by the House lawyers we do have additional things that can happen to get a witness to show up to talk. But obviously, you know, Corey Lewandowski showed up, but 
didn't say anything, and that's a, another measure, and that's why I think David Cicilline was recommending going after him in contempt. So what should we be expecting this week, Congressman? You know, every week that we're going to be in session now, things are going to be moving fast. Democrats are going to be dropping a prescription drug bill. Let's hope it's a good, strong one. If not, let's make it a good, strong one. But we've got a lot to get done between now and December. We're going to need everyone keeping very active and contacting their elected officials. There you go. Congressman Mark Pocan, thanks so much for being with us today. Yep, of course. Thank you, Tom. Good talking with you. So, wow, so much going on. Uh, The flash flood emergency in Texas. This is climate change as expected. We are seeing climate change in real time, right in front of our eyes. I just got a note, or Sean actually got a note from Patrick. Patrick and Jerry Lynn are folks down in the Houston area who put together our podcasts that you can find for free. They're supported by advertising on iTunes and wherever you get a podcast, you'll find them. He says, we're on the edge of a tropical storm here. Pretty wild weather outside. Local rain gauges report we've received five inches of rain in the last hour. That's how much is standing in the yard all around the house. Northeast of here, where the Bin Laden Ranch was, actually, there's a county-sized area that has received 25 inches of rain in the last 24 hours. Mind-boggling. I mean, this is, this is what we predicted from climate change. Tom Squidieri is on the line with us with Talk Media News, a report brought to you by Goats for the Old Goat.com and Loving What You Do, Alan Ratner's book. Tom, what's the latest news? Hi, how you doing? Good. I just got out of a briefing at the Pentagon here, and uh, it was the first briefing they've had on camera in more than 15 months, so that was newsworthy in itself. But uh, they were asked a lot of questions about what's going to happen in regard to Saudi Arabia and Iran. And the Pentagon officials, two of them, one civilian, one military, were very clear that the determination of who fired the missiles and drones that, that, that damage the oil processing facilities will be announced by Saudi Arabia. That, yep, they're suspicious that it's Iran, but they're waiting for Saudi Arabia to announce who the culprit is. So there was this, you know, deferential treatment to Saudi Arabia because they were the ones that were attacked. Tom, we, don't, go- we don't have a mutual Sorry, defense ag- agreement with Saudi Arabia, to the best of my knowledge. I mean, we've defended that, the shipping lines for years and years. But it's not like NATO. It's not like if they're attacked, we have to jump in. Did anybody address that specifically? Yeah, that was asked a couple times, variations of that question. And to be fair to Jonathan Hoffman, who was the spokesperson here today, the civilian, he said that it was Saudi Arabia who was attacked, and it's Saudi Arabia that has to determine who was the attacker before any action can be decided upon. Now, they did acknowledge through the briefing, it lasted almost 30 minutes, they did acknowledge that the, the U.S. assets will be recalibrated, my word, and readjusted to deal with any kind of rising Iranian threat. But Hoffman stressed repeatedly that it's an international issue that should be solved by international action. Really? So they're trying to do a George Herbert Walker Bush, let's pull together a coalition of the willing and go bomb the bejesus out of somebody? I would think it's a variation of that without saying it in those words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Remarkable. What else is up in the world today? Well, that's really dominating the Pentagon a lot. 
However, they began the press conference with what used to be big news, uh, issue on the U.S.-Mexico border wall, mm-hmm. announcing that they're looking at it now, completing a mile a day for the next foreseeable future. And this is the money. There's two pots of money. The first pot came when President Trump declared a national emergency. That came from areas that the money wasn't spent, such as insurance for some veterans who didn't apply for health insurance, et cetera. The second pot was, of course, the more controversial pot that came from other projects, including missile defense and housing and other elements that the Pentagon officials have privately said they were more important than the wall. Nevertheless, that money's gone, and they're transferring the land, and all the land is acquired now, apparently, and so they're going to start building. To what extent is your sense, Tom? I mean, you're there in the Pentagon. You're interacting with these guys. You know some of them. To what extent is it your sense that they are, you know, gritting their teeth as they're smiling, saying, oh, yeah, it's just fine if Donald Trump wants to take money away from you know, a school for the children of military mm-hmm. people in uh, Alexandria, or if he wants to take uh, money for rebuilding military housing where we know that there's mold and rats. These are actual examples, I believe. Um, they are. They are. Yeah. I would only vary what you said by one thing. There's not even a smile. They're, they're gritting their teeth and answering the questions. But there's, I've yet to see a smile. That's a very you know, good question to ask me mm-hmm. because no one smiles when they talk about this because they have to have that sort of what I call soldier face. You know, this is our job and we're following orders type of face. And I'm not meaning that disrespectfully. Right. They're, saying what they, they're saying what they're saying. But you know that these guys, the projects you said are personal, but there's also, like I said, missile defense in Alaska that needs upgrading. And this is a key component, especially now when we're talking about the end of different missile defense treaties. So these are real projects with real consequences. And the Democrats in the House and some Republicans in the House and Senate are not anxious to backfill these projects once President Trump had the Defense Department move the money. Yeah, their position basically is, okay, Trump, you broke it, you fix it. Yeah, exactly. They were asked that again today, and they avoided that because Congress now is is trying to figure out the budget for next year. So at the moment, it's a moot point that they're more concerned about getting a budget and then worry about what budget. Wasn't the military appropriations bill passed earlier this year, and wasn't it a two-year budget, or am I misunderstanding that? You're correct about that. It's the budget uh, authorization as opposed to the appropriation. Uh, the difference is being like, okay, here's our grocery list, and but you still have to go to the checkout counter to pay for it. I see. Okay. And so the part that has not been done yet is going to the it's checkout funding. counter? Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Okay, Tom Squidieri of uh, Talk Media News. Thanks, Tom. Great talking with you. You're welcome. Thank you. Really Bye-bye. appreciate the insights from the Pentagon. Rob in Guys Mill, Pennsylvania. Hey, Rob. I had a thought on Trump working with Putin. Apparently that call was to Putin, and it was over spying on North Korea with our CIA. That's, That's that, this is this is your your guess or your opinion is that uh, no this is what a Washington correspondent said first thing this morning oh really um, interesting anyways I, I can send you that tweet I believe that he co-signed on Trump's Deutsche Bank loans because Putin gained the most out of Trump being in there he's making yeah. fools out of us well this is and what Lawrence O'Donnell was saying I mean he's he's backed up and said, you know, I can only get you, give you a single source, but he has not said, oops, I was wrong. He's just said, I, you know, I, I can't double source this. Rob, thank you. Fascinating day. And please don't forget, democracy does not fall out of the sky like a UFO. It is something that you and I have to work in. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow.
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew, Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners, for this podcast listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code TOM to try it free. Bluetooth is, Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster, and we thank them for supporting the podcast.